and welcome for the very first time to Winning Edge Investments. Uh, my name's Mark Hayward. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're going to kick things off with a, a series of interviews with all of our racing and sport analysts here at Winning Edge. And the first cab off the rank is, is Dean the Trial Spy. So let's get into it. So for our first analyst chat today, we're talking to Dean Evans, aka Dean the Trial Spy. G'day, Dean. G'day, Mark. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, very well. Very well. Very good. Yeah, so I thought we'd just have a chat and uh, I guess start from the beginning and um, work our way through, I guess, your own um, punting background and, and how you go about it these days. Right, yeah. So yeah, to start with, I guess, how did, how did you get into racing? Was it a hobby to start off with or...? Yeah, uh, my father bred a few handy racehorses. One mare, Belmaria, won like 11 races. She won on all four Sydney Metro tracks, which is a rare feat for a mare. And yeah, another horse, uh, Figure of Speech, won a few staying black type races and almost qualified for the Melbourne Cup and you know a few others. So I suppose I caught the racing bug from uh, my father and from following you know, the horses that he bred and raced. Uh, my father was at work for a few bookmakers back in the day, so was always, I suppose, mathematically inclined, as was I. So I've always had an interest, firstly, in racing, but then you know, in the wagering side of things. I can recall ringing up the TAB using my dad's betting accounts as young as probably about 12, you know, pretending to speak in a deep voice and uh, placing bets. And uh, I recall at around age 16 doing the form for a race in New Zealand was on an absolute bog-heavy 10 track, and you know, I worked through all the horses and knew there were only three horses in the race who could handle such a wet track and, you know, I ignored all the other four miles of references, box the three, you know, trifecta, which cost six bucks and won about eight grand. I think it was a 40 to one winner, which, you know, was a lot for a 16 year old. Bought me my first car, but, you know, it importantly taught me that you can win at the game if you do the research and, and you can beat the market. It's possible, although, um, you know, time has taught me, uh, it's by no means easy. Yeah, uh, it sounds like you uh, you started out very successfully. Have, have you always been a successful punter, or was it a bit of trial and error to start with? No, look, I, I certainly haven't always been a successful long-term punter. I was always good at, at finding big price winners and, and identifying value, but a lot of people can find a winner. The the true challenge is how you how do you turn that skill or ability into a long-term profitable venture. And I guess I knew I would always bet on racing. I knew I loved racing. I'd always follow it and be passionate about it and being the type of person I am. Rather than, I think, trick myself into believing I would either stop watching racing, which was never going to happen, or, or that I would watch racing but not bet on it, you know, I was realistic and figured if I'm going to always love to watch racing and bet on it, then being the type of person I am who doesn't like to lose money, I became determined to find out how to ensure I could do it profitably. So that involved reading a lot of books and information, not just on how to find winners and value, but from all types of gamblers on money management, staking, bank preservation, risk versus reward, strike rates, POT, ROI percentages, drawdown, the Kelly criterion, and you know, those types of concepts. And I believe at some point it all clicked and I figured out how to ensure I could stay in the game during losing periods, but then also really capitalize on winning periods. Yeah, right. And was there, I guess, one particular turning point or, or light bulb moment uh, when all that came together, do you think? Um, you know, I, I think just sort of at the point in time when I, I, you know, convinced myself of the concept of, you know, just having a certain betting bank and converting that to units and, and, and treating it a bit, you know, aligned to hedge funds and that sort of thing, you know, having that 100-unit betting bank and betting, 
you know, one to three percent, and and uh, and keeping it, um, you know, safe, and and knowing that, you know, as long as you understand what your strike rate is, that, um, you know, hopefully you're, uh, you don't have a run of out so long that um, that you bust your bank, uh, but also sort of understanding that concept of, um, you're making sure that you're maximising your your reward as well, so you're not betting so low or such a small proportion that that when you do have a winning period, it's not really worth it. So. Uh, I think it was a mixture of things, but, you know, I think there was sort of a point in time, you know, about sort of five or six years ago where I went, hang on, I, uh, I've got, uh, and sort of demonstrated and proved it to myself, I've, I've now figured out how both not only to, to find the, the right horses, but most importantly how to be, give myself just that supreme confidence that uh, I'm going to win. So looking at your philosophy these days, uh, on the form side of things, I guess as much as you can distill it down into a short um, short explanation, how do you go about identifying bets these days? Um, I use the Access database back in 2015, early 2015. I spent six months essentially studying my database and identifying the key form factors that the market, particularly the bookies and, and I guess other punters, significantly undervalued. And I determined that Accurate speed ratings, you know, class ratings, uh, and also fo- focusing on horses on pace were, were three key areas that the market certainly undervalued. And as a result, I focused my uh, attention on those areas as the basis of selections. And I found a big edge focusing in that space over the past two and a half years. Uh, I also do a lot of trial form and assessments, so reviewing trials and jump outs and identifying horses who could be you know, either two-year-olds that look well above average or maidens that are trialling an incredible time or jogging alongside open class or higher class gallopers and doing it easy or horses resuming from a spell who compared to trials or races from previous campaigns have improved significantly either by maturing or sometimes transferring to a new stable. You know, this has also proven to be a highly profitable edge for, for many years. Yeah, sure. And so I guess you have a few key areas of form analysis that you, you look at. Um, has that, that changed, I guess, over time or over the past few years? Yeah, you know, certainly, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things to, to look at. The ability to race on pace in Australia at most tracks, particularly when dry, is a vital form factor these days. The speed map's critical, like I mentioned before, speed rating class assessments, not just the raw class, but also, you know, comparing the horses that a runner of interest has raced against in their class compared to the class of today's field and, and trial form are all key. A lot of other factors that people look at, weight, barriers, jockeys, trainers, record over the distance, track going, etc. I think are overplayed and there's no real edge there. When I look at a horse's record over the distance, track or going, I really look at the, the same range of distance, for example, and then I'm looking at the horse's speed and class ratings over that distance. Same with at the track or the, the same prevailing track conditions, whether dry or very wet. So I've no real interest in how many wins or placings the horse has had over a track distance, but the actual rating of the horse under the various scenarios and variables that it encounters in today's race. With the barriers, I look at the record of horses, you know, at the course and distance of the race I'm analysing. On some tracks, being drawn out wide is, is fine. Sometimes an advantage, and overall, most don't realise that. All my analysis and that of others confirms that inside barriers are actually overbet and outside barriers underbet, which means there's more value backing horses with wide barriers, particularly those with the early speed to cross. I guess Heltzen in the well, Hootson in the Magic Millions last year was a good example of a horse who easily had the speed to cross the field and lead, and with the wide barrier, just adding value to the price. Back markers, for example, you're much better backing them if they're drawn wide and can settle where they like. Back markers drawn inside very rarely win, and the data shows they're the worst possible betting propositions long term. With trainers and jockeys, I get stats, both winning strike rate, but importantly, profit on turnover percentage. 
on their record and you know metro versus provincial versus country different tracks different distances track conditions first up second up third up different ages etc so i look at all of that information and what's relevant to today's race or horse and assess that and formulating my final decision on whether to back the horse and how much to have on it but you know my my approach that's my approach now in terms of over time you know i first started by following trials i used to put each horse into a black book actually had a spreadsheet where I'd keep track of all the results using a rolling bank. So I started with a 10K bank, betting 1% of the bank. Uh, you know, So I started with sort of $100 to win on each trial black booker and then increasing the bets as the bank increased. And believe it or not, on the spreadsheet, the $10,000 bank actually got up to over a million dollars. So I knew I, I had something there. Uh, I started selling the selections to a very limited number of members and it proved to be an incredibly popular and successful service only able to intake uh, you know new members once a year and has continued to this day that service has made nearly 600 units profit in five years at over nine percent pot so essentially more than doubling people's betting banks each year you know 100 percent return on money that's certainly well above what you get from a bank these days getting one or two percent or you know, even Warren Buffett the best share investor in the world usually generating a 20 percent year-on-year return so you know that's sort of all helped me to uh, you know identify that there's certainly a big opportunity with it all with data spy it's very much shifted from in the first two and a half years being mostly based on video watching trip handicapping and and the usual form principles you know not at all data driven and and i was mostly focused on metro city racing uh to now where the focus is very much on the data and the information from the database speed and class ratings and now greater focus on country and provincial racing where i believe the edge is far greater these days than than on metro city racing where it's undoubtedly uh, getting tougher yeah right and uh one thing you mentioned there which um i think a lot of people find interesting is is you're one of the i guess one of the analysts that actually covers racing right across australia um a lot of people can't quite get that around how that's done um how do you do it? Is it is it because you? I guess a lot of what you do is is data driven, or yeah, I, I sort of I developed a way to review all races, you know, quickly as a starting point, determine whether the race is essentially you know a lottery or or meets the criteria of a race worth reviewing in a lot more detail, or I can narrow the chances to a select few. And I've also done a mountain of work in determining which tracks are profitable and which are not. So although I bet in all states, I don't bet on all tracks in all states. So I'm able to cut down my focus to where I know the data and my assessments are most profitable and stop spending unnecessary time on areas that are less profitable. Uh, so in the end, you know, having access to a lot of data at my fingertips, to your point, plus the, the fact that I just have an extremely good memory for anything horse racing related, horses, their quirks, idiosyncrasies, where they're strong and weak, you know, same with jockeys and trainers. That a lot just comes to me naturally, so I'm able to work very quickly through fields and, and data, having done it for so long, and, and established a clear, reliable process that I know works and has a big edge long term. Yeah, and you mentioned that these days you, you find you're, you're much more successful in uh, the, the non-metro racing across Australia and provincial racing, um, purely as a result of the market, is that? Yeah, I think... Um, uh, I think it's just that the, the market's weaker. I think the, there's a lot of people focusing a lot of time on on the metro, uh, you know, racing, and uh, a lot more eyes on it. A lot more people betting there. The bookies probably form analysts spending a lot lot of time uh, on those areas. Um, whereas, uh, you know, I think uh, on the country and provincial uh, side of things, um, there's just less eyes on them, and, and there's just more holes in the market. Um, and I think, you know, I think of my top 50 most profitable tracks, Ascot and Belmont and in Western Australia were the only two metro city tracks in the top 50. So certainly, regardless of the state, 
Uh, it's where my greatest edge these days lies. Um, I think in terms of states, yeah, Western Australia was somewhere that in the early days I never touched or looked at, but has now become my most profitable state. Uh, and I believe maybe the isolated nature there, most forces are the same week in, week out. Not a lot of cross-border stuff happening there compared to Melbourne, Sydney, Queensland, where horses are continually um, shuttling up and down the coast. So it's easy to compare form lines. And also the tracks are also virtually always dry. So I suppose those two factors make the data very reliable and they have a, a big edge um, in WA and beyond that really on the, it's the provincial and country tracks. And I guess just in terms of I guess your process in terms of doing the form, um, time management is what these days I guess takes up the most time that you do have to, to do the form. Yeah, um, you know, these days I'm, I'm, I'm very much focused on the, the speed and class ratings of the horses relevant to the conditions and variables that the horse encounters in the race it's contesting today and you know other trainer jockey stats, the speed map and the expected position and running and, and then, you know, reviewing replays of um, races, trials and jump outs uh, to identify any bidding opportunities from horses not suited by the way a race was run or, or track bias or being blocked or you know not getting its chance due to a poor ride or you know just to identify a standout future performer to um, to keep an eye on. Looking at the, the Data Spy service uh, specifically, did you just want to give us a bit of a background on just exactly how that works, the type of bets you send out, uh, how many bets... Uh, the the bank you use, the, the size of your betting, that sort of thing? Yeah, uh, you know, my data spy service is a very simple bet and forget type service. We we bet most days per week, probably five to six days a week. We only bet when significant value is present. So some days there might be no bets, some days one or two, and, and some days you know a dozen or more. It entirely depends on how the markets have shaped up compared to my assessments on the day. Uh, we recommend a 100-unit betting bank and, and bet on average only 0.5 units per bet. Uh, it's sort of using a derivation of you know, around a quarter Kelly criterion type concept, I suppose, when placing the bets to maximise rewards whilst trying to minimise drawdown as much as possible. Um, with the service, you know, members are provided with everything they need, the, the track, uh, race number, race time, horse name, current market price, whether to bet early or late or, or spread evenly across the two, uh, the bet type and, and how many units to have on the horse or bet. Um, and yeah, I certainly focus on value. I've had plenty of big price winners. MD won for us at Toowoomba. It was I think 100 to 1 recorded officially, but started $260 on Betfair SP and got out to as much as $560 in the betting on Betfair. Uh, that was the only bet on the race. You know, Khan at 150 to 1 at Eagle Farm was the only bet on the race. Stage Girl 125 to 1 at Punjara, etc. So it's certainly a focus on value, and I think everyone loves backing winners at those prices. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just on that, you mentioned uh, the Betfair prices in comparison to what you get. Do you generally bet early uh, or late, or does it depend, I guess, bet to bet? Or? Uh, it certainly depends bet to bet. You know, myself, uh, more and more recently, I used to bet early predominantly, but you know, having been being banned or heavily restricted from pretty much every book in Australia, I tend to bet late more often these days. Plus, it allows members to get set in the morning at fixed prices if they prefer uh, you know, you can get some incredible prices on Betfair. If you use dynamic odds or an odds comparison tool to compare prices across the 20-plus corporate bookies available in Australia these days and, and monitor betting, you can do uh, incredibly well. And the um, derivative products these days are also uh, very impressive. So, you know, Saturday Metro, you can bet 
best of the best BOB, which is Haas, the best Toad SP or Top Fluck. There's best Toad SP on all races with many bookies, Betfair SP, which I highly recommend, and the they call the Goat SP now, the global tote product from Top Better. It's also a fantastic product uh, with an SP guarantee. So, yeah, plenty of options for time poor punters to secure amazing prices when you, I guess, compare it to the old days of the SP bookies. I can only imagine uh, how difficult it must have been to beat that. Definitely. Um, I guess one question that many punters have, you've, I guess, progressed from being a punter yourself to, to selling your selections and your advice um, to the public. Um, what, why do you sell your services as opposed to just, I guess, uh, punting yourself? Oh, look, I mean, I guess, you know, start with I used to lose money gambling when I was younger, but it was a passion. I knew I'd always want to bet on horse racing, so I, I decided rather than quitting to educate myself on how to become a profitable and successful punter and, um, you know, won plenty, but unfortunately was banned from, from just about every bookmaker in Australia. So, you know, having a young family with two kids, age sort of three and one, I was providing my profitable selections to others to, to make money, which, you know, from a stable way to, to provide my from my family on, on top of, I guess, my betting and, and other investments. So my passion now, having done that for so long, is, is really to help educate and provide services for others in the same position who, I guess, will always want to bet but want to do it profitably and, uh, you know, make, make additional money on top of their current income or indeed to do it full time, as some of our members do. Um, and you know, with Winning Edge Investments, I guess our mission is simply to to run an open, honest, transparent service uh, that helps people to bet profitably and, and treat their betting as they would any any business or investment. Yeah, sure. And uh, I guess we should mention, which many people will be aware of, but as well as just being an analyst for Winning Edge, you actually you're the founder of Winning Edge Investments yourself. Um, what made you made that move to actually establish uh, the business itself? Um. Well, I, I guess, you know, it sort of started with, with the, the, the horse racing and sports tipping industry as a whole. Um, I mean, it, it's an interesting industry, I'll be honest. There's a lot of dodgy providers out there these days. It's easy for anyone to set up a Facebook page or a Twitter page and, and start taking money. And, and I'm astounded at how many people actually fall for that stuff. Guys who don't even have a, a basic website or have no long-term track record. They show you bet slips, you know. I mean, a lot of these guys are, are taking suckers for a ride. To be honest, you can you can tell when someone's posting a, a lad broke's bet slip, for example, that well, half the time they're just fake. It's the easiest thing in the world to do, fake a bet slip. But if it's real, you know, all they're telling is they're clearly a long-term losing punter who lad broke's, you know, the weakest bookie of all. They're happy to take a bet with. So even Blow Frenny can't get a bet on with them these days. But you know, it's a tough industry. The, the reality is, is most punters just don't have the long-term mindset and ability to wait out the tough losing or drawdown periods to succeed. So they bounce from service to service looking for some holy grail service that never loses and, and it doesn't exist. And I think that's why they get suckered into the ones talking about the big day or week that they had and, and always focusing in the short term but, but not showing long-term results. So I don't know, people who think it's a hugely lucrative industry are way off. You know, the re- reality is if a service is successful, we need to limit the memberships as I've had to do and, and we've had to do for John's analytics and, and a few others. So there's... There's limited potential to it all, but it's, it's something additional. Um, the reality is the vast majority of profits come from bookmaker affiliates where the, the bookies pay advertisers based on a percentage of losses that their clientele incur. We, we've never partaken in that, but you know, 99% of tipping services do. Um, it's a bit difficult to see how a tipping service can provide tips on the one hand and yet blatantly and brazenly make money off their clients' losses on the other hand. It's a bit of a conflict of interest, but... Um, Anyway, something that potential subscribers to a tipping service should consider, you know, are they promoting bookies and making money from your losses? But you've only got to look at 
I suppose the demise of the Punish Show and Want to Follow, G1X, and, and some others I really respected. You know, Andrew Kaplan, Macy Markets, uh, Nick Pinkerton, Rick Williams, they're all really quality analysts who I believe gave up ultimately because they couldn't make it work financially for them to... So you can see it's a tough game. And for me, that's why I've been so focused on educating punters. You know, members of my service get a 100-page members' information pack, chock full of information on how to get the best possible prices, the, the various betting options available, the official odds recording policy, the benefits of following multiple services, how to structure your betting banks if doing so, how to avoid getting banned by bookies, variants, uh, the importance of sound bankroll management, minimum bet laws information. Yeah, everything someone needs to be a successful punter, whether following my services or other services or indeed even one's own selections. So, yeah, a lot of members have commented that that pack is worth the subscription cost alone, and but ultimately people just need to do their research. And I'm, I'm not saying any of the following reasons mean that you should definitely not follow someone, but you've got to consider if the tips are free, are they worth anything if no one is willing to pay for them or even if the provider knows they're not worth selling? You know, do they promote corporate, make a corporate uh, affiliates and uh, are incentivized for you to lose? Are the results not updated on the website daily or regularly or ever? You know, If they only provide the results sheet to you via email and it's not public record, for me, run a mile. There's very clearly no transparency, accountability, and most likely the results are nonsense or missing losing bets or adding non-existent winning bets or unachievable odds recorded with no clear odds policy. You know, I've seen it all. Uh, you know, they have testimonials from short-term members about a good day or a week, but nothing about the long-term. No explanation of the betting bank required. You know, units are meaningless without a betting bank. It's a completely meaningless numbers, and a lot use high units. You know, betting five units a race or 10 units or 20 units just so the units sound large on a winning day, but they go completely silent on a losing day. Uh, you know, no social media presence or website. They're, they're just sort of clear red flags for people to consider. So I guess when I created Winning Edge Investments, it was really having provided my tips and services for, for five years, I just wanted to create an open, honest, transparent service for punters who wanted to gain an edge, win from their betting and, and get educated on how to bet successfully, profitably and ultimately to treat it like an investment and, and create a community of like-minded individuals with that same goal and purpose in mind. I wanted to use what I'd learned from five years, providing services to do all the right, honest things that, that people want with a genuine service. We have a transparent results sheets, the most detailed I believe anywhere with all the info someone needs to review the bets made since the service began and, and assess if the service is right for them. Every bet listed in detail, the units won, units invested, POT percentage, ROI percentage, number of bets per day or week, etc. Yeah, the results are posted daily on the website in, in uh, the detailed spreadsheet. Uh, we've got a graph there as well on the website. Um, yeah, unlike any other service in Australia or probably the world, we've got a daily update of the day's results and the overall results of every service on both Twitter and Facebook. Um, you know, complete 100% transparency, clear achievable odds recording policy, third best fixed price from only a small select number of bookies who actually take a bet or, or mid-tote, which should be easily beaten by anyone following our advice. And importantly, that's consistent across all of our horse racing services, so exactly the same methodology so that comparisons can be made um, you know, across our, our services. You know, wish other companies would do the same with their services. Um, you're generally profitable, real people with, with social media profiles. They can be contacted. They're not faceless people hiding behind a company name or a moniker. Uh, we provide a profit guarantee with all of our services, uh, unlike the vast majority who, who don't back themselves in that regard. And we don't just tip, we educate. You know, we act as a full advisory services service uh, as well. And you know, our testimonials are, are from real long-term members who have been members for one year or two years or five years. It's, it's not just people who've joined saying they've you know, had a great day or a great week. 
Um, and, you know, we, we don't take, uh, you know, affiliate commission payments from bookmakers either. So for me, with all that in place, it's, it's then about, you know, only offering services of industry prof- professionals or, or highly regarded uh, and experienced and successful analysts that, importantly, I'm willing to stake my own money on and attribute a bank towards and, and that I'm willing to offer my valued clients because bad services benefit no one. With our profit guarantees, we and our analysts don't get paid unless we're winning anyway. But you know, bad services only harm the betting banks and portfolios of our clients. So there's there's zero benefit to us in having a poor service. It's actually a big negative. So I'm very careful as to who I introduce as an analyst to the team. And if a service doesn't perform, then then they go. Uh, you know, we have John Lawson, who's John's analytics services, breaking all land speed records over 180 units profit in, in under six months, about 23%. Profit on turnover, just absolutely incredible. And he's got his own proprietary database and got a PhD student to run models and determine the best value bets by comparing the rated price of the market price in an automated fashion. It's uh, it's truly unbelievable. Mark Roden, highly respected full-time pro punter, who provides tips and ratings for New South Wales race. And uh, Lachlan Mosley, a full-time pro punter, who runs our Black Book Bet service. Uh, based on his video analysis and trip handicapping, the old school type that made nearly 300 units profit in the past two years. Uh, Jeff McMurray, our pedigree power breeding expert, racing manager and, and bloodstock advisor to many leading stables. Uh, John Evans, a, a former golf pro, played in a number of majors and, and then commentated on golf around the world and, and tipped a 1001 winner. Brian Stewart to our members and has since tipped 351, 101 winners, etc. And, and Dave Trotter, our international cricket expert with a strong and East focus. So, uh, and a very consistently profitable service. So, you know, it's a great stable, and, and I'm very excited and proud to have them as, as part of the team working together for the success of our members. Yeah, good. You mentioned briefly their bookmakers. Um, obviously, it's a, it can be a bit of a sore topic for, for some punters. Uh, how do you see the state of things, and is there any particular bookmakers that um, you find a lot better these days? Um, well, like in terms of bookmakers, I think you know you just want to have as many accounts as you can possibly get your hands on. Uh, the more the more you have, the greater prices you can secure, and the greater the percentage profits you'll achieve. It's as simple as that. You know, if you have a ten thousand dollar bank, I'd I'd put five hundred dollars in each of twenty corporate bookies. You know, at least a thousand dollars in ten at a minimum, and and then you can top up and withdraw as you like to keep um, them balanced, as some will win and and, and lose over over time at different times. Um, Bet365 Bet365 often have top odds for racing so they're a must have uh, top better with its global tote and and do take a bet on fixed prices um, is a must have Uh, Betfair an absolute must have Tab, Ubet, Centibet and Top Sport all because they they take big bets uh, so they're must haves Uh, Sportsbet do have great prices if you can get on Ladbrokes I find impossible but but good if you're new uh, little known one, sportsbetting.com. They have fantastic fixed-odd prices, really, really good fixed-odd prices, and take a bet. Um, and then also, don't forget the ones not on dynamic odds. Uh, you know, blue bet, palmer bet, etc. Worth looking at if, if dynamic odds prices go. Uh, if you're quickly following, um, you know, if the dynamic odds prices go quickly because you're following a service. Um, in terms of the the, the, the bookmaking industry in Australia, I don't have a very high opinion of it. Uh, you know, most of them don't even bookmake anymore. You know, they ban winners or heavily restrict them. They smash the price in if someone's smart gets on. You know, if they invested in true form analysts and, and rating software and actually had an opinion, they, they could probably take bigger bets like Pinnacle do on sports. You know, it's my dream anyway, whether it actually happens or is just too difficult 
whilst they can make such easy profits from from mug punters, time will tell. But unfortunately, I think certain services such as ours are, are to blame for more people being banned. There's just more information and smarts out there to a wider number of punters than there used to be. Uh, and so, therefore, bookies appear forced to make their money from the true mugs at the expense of those who have an idea to win. Um, but, you know, given the state, at least there's a minimum bet laws, which is a help. And I think if you, you use those minimum bet laws to bet after 9 a.m., uh, combined with a wide number of bookies, and, and you use dynamic odds, um, which I think is the best odds comparison site, because you can see your account balance with all corporates in one spot. You can compare all the prices in the one spot. And most importantly, at the click of a button, you can place bets with whichever bookie has the best odds. So, you know, it's a must-have as well. And, and I think if you utilize all those tools, multiple bidding accounts, dynamic odds, and, and, and taking advantage of the minimum bet laws, then, uh, you know, you can um, you can make some great profits. Yeah, so that's the that's the bookmaking industry. What about the, the wider racing industry? Sounds like you've been watching it uh, just about since you could walk. Um, <laughs> what, what, where do you think it, it's at um, in terms of its relevance and, I guess... Um, how it's progressing in terms of when you first started watching racing to now? Yeah, well, I, I think um, that the sad element, I think, is, you know, when you look at the old photos of the old days and they'd get, you know, 150,000 cramming into a track. And, um, and uh, although they do, do get uh, fantastic crowds at Flemington, uh, you know, long gone are the days of Sydney getting anywhere near that number. Uh, you know, twenty to thirty thousand is an, an enormous crowd. Um, I think to say relevant, education is the key these days, um, and and data. You know, people are really into that stuff now. I think you've got to incentivize and educate people. Uh, you know, young people, particularly punters or people potential punters. You know, to come to the track or at the very least to bet successfully. Uh, you know, somewhere, and and then the industry can thrive with increased turnover, which is what we all wanted to do. Um, you know, winning edge, we do our best to do our bit uh, in the education space and, and to get people, uh, you know, betting and, and doing it successfully to increase the turnover. So hopefully the industry can keep on the right track with that. You know, there is some good stuff. You know, Betfair Hub is, is fantastic. Uh, you know, racing.com, uh, you know, obviously the media outlets and, and that sort of thing are, are trying to uh, get more insight and analysis and expertise. I saw they had Peter Moody on. I thought that was fantastic the other day. Um, I think if they, you know, engage more uh, pro punters and, and successful uh, people rather than just, uh, you know, media people reading out, you know, the odds uh, with nothing really insightful to say, um, then we can engage more people in the, this industry that we all love and, and, and hopefully it can continue to thrive. Amen to that. Uh, that's probably about all we've got time for today, Dean. So uh, thanks for your time. And... Um yeah, we'll uh, we look forward to chatting to I guess the the rest of the stable over the coming weeks. Fantastic, thank you, Mark, and I uh, appreciate your time. No worries. So that is us for today. Uh, thanks for listening. Stay tuned in the coming weeks. We'll have more interviews with the analysts and the professional punters from Winning Edge Investments. Or in the meantime, you can check out any of the packages that are available, plus plenty of other free punting resources at winningedgeinvestments.com.au. dot